This is Three Valleys Radio. And this is Football Bloody Hell. On the show tonight, we got Ricky Hyatt, Paul Thorpe, Hilda Pryor, and Tony Pounder. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Football Bloody Hell. Uh, you'll recognise a different voice in the hosting chair this evening. As uh, myself, Dave Pryor, is in the chair this evening, and that will probably all become clear as to why. I'm sure you only really needed to look at the results this weekend. But fear not, listener, because he is still here in this Zoom circle that we have. So, uh, A.D. Hopper is in the background there somewhere. Say hello, A.D. Hello, folks. I'm suicidal. <laughs> and I'm sure Rick is too. Hello, Rick. Uh, I don't know. Since Adrian said that, I'm feeling a lot better. <laughs> and just to complete the set, uh, we have Tony Pounder making his first appearance on Three Valleys Radio this, e- uh, this season. Hello, Tony. Good evening, chaps. So, um, are the three of you all feeling very chipper, seeing as you've all got the same thing in common? <laughs> I'd hardly call it chipper. <laughs> so before we do go into that so um i think it's worth uh saying now aid if you want me to um address it that we have put together a very special recording um of the what's happening at united between myself um rick and ad it's a great listen if you want to have a little insight into what we think the issues are then uh give that give that a download and um I think it's available on the podcast feed. Is that right, Abe? It is, yeah. It's on the podcast and it's uh, going out tonight on there as well. <clears throat> so uh, we'll come on to that a little bit later because I think we have to start with Sunday's game, which was Chelsea 2, Spurs 2. Um, other than uh, a penalty, um, there was red card incidents, there was manager bust-ups, there was four goals. It was being dubbed the second battle of the bridge. Um Rick, firstly, did you see it? What did you make of it? And where do you think that sort of leaves the two sides uh, going forward for the new season? Uh, I saw the scrap between the uh, the managers and uh, didn't really need to see anything. Yeah, I watched it. I thought Chelsea looked good value for a win most of the way through that. Spurs did a very unspursy thing and actually showed some some bottle and had a bit of a comeback. That's the, that was my take on it anyway. But uh, no, it's, it's nice to see two two of the top teams really going for it. Did you see it the same tone? Yeah, unfortunately, I didn't see it, but I've obviously read. Uh, I think back in the day the highlights, uh, and I see. I think Rick was spot on. I think I know a couple of Tottenham fans, and they said a couple of years ago they rolled over and died in that. And they actually showed some spirit this year, um, which is a massive plus for Tottenham, I think. He certainly installed that, the uh, Conte. Um, I just, everyone's talking about this afterwards. So I know it's a handshake and he got a bit pricey, but I think you got two managers that are passionate there, showing a bit of passion for the club. Um, I think it's been blown over a little bit, uh, but I'd like to see that, I've got to say, at the moment. So uh, let, let's start with that then. So um, you mentioned about the, the two managers uh, in a bust-up. Do you think that really was a case of just heat at the moment and there'll be no sort of grudge or hangover going into the to the next time that they face each other? Because you know how it's like and the media will dub it up yeah, the next time Spurs play Chelsea. Just one of those they things? Were, they, I think the media hype that. I think, 
it was a highly tense game, wasn't it? It's good atmosphere, obviously with Tottenham scoring late as well. Yeah, they're both very, very passionate managers. Um, and like I said, they both want to win and it's, it was a little, all right, it's a handshake, got a little bit of hand, but um, they certainly set it up for the home game, but I think the managers both happy with it. They both said, you know, that's forgotten. You know, we're passionate straight after the game and they move on. And they're professional enough, I would think, but they're going to fall out with other managers throughout the course of the year. I'm sure they will, because they got a lot of passion about them. Can, can, so somebody, explain, can somebody explain to me why the Spurs, no, sorry, the Chelsea, no, what we're talking, the Spurs goal, the first one, wasn't offside because surely Richarlison was in an offside position. That's well, a very good point. Um, Tone <coughs> will probably be the best person to answer this, possibly, having played the game, albeit I appreciate that the rules seem to change every year when it comes to, comes to offside. The trouble is the rules are changing every year now. Like I say, VAR, because I thought VAR is going to interfere, but they're saying, they, I've had talks about on earlier, and they were talking about the new rule change where he's not interfering, but you can actually interfere now, can't you? But it's it's a very thin line, they said, with what you class as interfering um, and stuff. So I just don't know, but I mean... Did VAR, I didn't see it live. Did VAR get involved in it? No, it didn't seem to. They didn't have any lines across the screen or any of that business. Um, did any of you correct. think... Sorry, Tom. Did any of you think that Mendy possibly um, made it a situation where they didn't look at it? Because if you look at Mendy's reaction, normally what happens when the goalkeeper thinks that there's someone in his eye line, he's straight up to the referee and saying, have a look, have a look. But... He didn't seem too bothered by the incident from what I saw. He just seemed disappointed to have conceded. Well, well certainly on talk sport today, they were they were talking about this. Um, <laughs> you know, like you say, if you think there's a dubious offside or a dubious goal, you look at the reaction of the um, opponents. And a couple of, I think it was Graham Sooner said on Sky or somebody, said there wasn't a natural reaction. Like you said, why didn't he rush out like he normally would? I think that's probably what, like I said, I don't know if they are. He might have been talking to VAR, like, off camera, um, sort of saying they were checking it, but um, as far as I'm aware, they didn't. So, um, it's a fine line at the moment, like I say. I mean, we're going to have challenges every year, aren't every game now, aren't we, with this fine line of what's on, what's not off, and we're changing the ruling. Well, why do they have to keep changing the rules all the time? I, I don't... I don't know if it's uh, FIFA or UEFA. I don't actually know. I'm sure if it comes from UEFA, you'll have to change it, don't you? Yeah, but there's it's a proper just, committee, isn't it, that, that look at the rules every season. I forget what they're called now, but they advise UEFA on the rules, any rule changes. So they're justifying their position, obviously. I'm sure we've got a few names for them. Yeah. <laughs> I think, like you said, there's a... Certainly a justification. They have to change something to keep my job going, I think. Um, Beef I remember, pro. like... Beef pro. Beef pro. Pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. But don't Beef. they... Um, that, allows, that goes to all the countries, doesn't it? When they say it, it has to go... It gets approved, then goes to... Every country has to abide by it. The yeah. Rolling. Yeah, so it's basically out of... Um, the FA hands and the referees here, they have to abide by what people say and go along with it. But like you say, they're changing, they're chopping changing all the time. I don't know. Just saying that, oh, the on, five Tom. subs, sorry, quickly, the five subs then, is that worldwide now? No. Or is that just our league? I think it was It was virtually worldwide before. We were the only ones that, that weren't going with that because we adopted it during the pandemic and those games and yeah. then dropped it, went back to having just the three. And then Jurgen Klopp thought that uh, just having the, one of the best squads in the Premier League wasn't enough of an advantage, so he needs to be able to use more of them on a on a match day. So they changed it, yeah. Which is which is ridiculous because it only be, it benefits the the larger clubs, and um, yeah, to the de detriment of those that have got a smaller smaller playing squad. So how that's making things a level playing field, I'm not sure. But there you go. Oh look. There's, there's somebody in the background of Dave's picture. How horrendous is that man? Yeah, Jürgen's always with me, Tone. Not <laughs> 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 saying nothing. Uh, we're moving on to Yeovil now, are we, quickly? 
just um just very quickly just on the VAR from yesterday. So did I hear this correctly that Mike Dean was doing the VAR? Yes. Because yeah, I was. was very confused because obviously the the line was that he retired from refereeing last season. So does that mean that if you work in the I thought if you worked in the VAR booth you still were a regular officiating Clearly not. official at, at the time. Is that changed? Yeah, I think so. He's just that? not mobile. He's, he's he's gone past the age, hasn't he, where he's allowed out on the pitch running around spoiling games from there. So now they've got him a comfy chair and he can spoil them from uh, It's very unmike Dean to make decisions not in the limelight, isn't it? I was very surprised at that. But did you notice have you ever have you ever heard uh, a VAR official's name being mentioned as often? <laughs> so he's got the best got the best of both worlds but back to the back to the var thing you should be able to there should be access to somewhere finding out as to whether or not they did discuss the offside and to what lengths they did because aren't the transcripts of the conversations being made available now i know they can't do them live like they do with rugby for legal reasons but apparently those transcripts of the conversations that come to make the decisions are going to be made public so if we don't know now presumably we will know so just on that, Rick, I think there yep. was a little bit of confusion because, like, Tone, I've, I've been listening to TalkSport recently. Um, Tony, I yeah. don't know if you've thought this at all, but they did say that they TalkSport had actually announced that from the start of this season, you're going to be able to hear the audio but after the game. But then as soon as they announced it, about five minutes later, um, the governing body phoned in to say, ah, actually, that's not strictly true. And I think they sort of wormed their way out of it. So mm. I think they're sort of saying I... that it's not happening now, but it's not to say that it might not happen in the future. But they make the good point yeah. as to why I understand not that the managers can listen to it. I, were they allowed it last year? I understood on a Monday they were allowed to have the transcript. Well, the commentators, sure the commentators have got it. Because they've, they've actually made more, listening live, yeah, yeah, and they're and they're making a point of almost relaying what's being said, or at least that there is a conversation going on. Well, they virtually tell you it's a, it's a goal. Yeah, but you Just hear before, them say a goal before it's even pointed out, so they've got the live thing. But I'm sure um, the managers, uh, certainly last year, from Monday onwards, they were allowed to listen to the transcripts of mm -hmm. why decisions were made. So um, I don't know. Like I say, I think I did hear what you said about that talk before, about uh, saying it was going to be available, but then they sort of backtracked a bit. It was actually yeah. worded wrong, they said, because uh, I think oh. Alan Brazil was all over that. Well, Jürgen's got, Jürgen's got his own bot button, of course, that uh, he didn't have last season. He had the season before. There he is again. God. He's an unattractive man, Dave. Stop showing I was going to say, I beg to differ, but I don't want any... Other questions <laughs> as to why I've got a huge cardboard cut out of him in my bedroom. Well, we've already <laughs> been through all that this morning, haven't we? <laughs> <laughs> not so, why um, he's in bed, I hope. Yes, blow up one under his bed. You got to worry about not the cardboard. Cut <laughs> so moving, moving very swiftly on. Um, <laughs> just, just on the uh, transcripts that you say. Um, I think it was. I don't know you saw match of the day too yesterday i think it was guy mowbray who said that when they were looking at the kukurea incident um he said straight away mike dean has recommended that it it's not a uh, violent conduct but um i don't know which who i should ask out of the three of you when it comes to uh having really long hair being called uh, i don't know who wants to take this but um well, it's I... violent conduct all day long isn't it, it has to yes. be it has to be I'm, I'm with it, like I say, it's a definite, I think um, it's, it's it's cheating to me, it's filing conduct, like I say, you don't pull people's hair, do you? Um, you? You see a fight in town, if it's full hair, it goes down, like I say, in town, if it goes to courts and that, two women fighting, if it goes to pulling hair and that, it goes down as filing conduct, so what's the difference on a football pitch? And that. Thorpe used to complain about his hair being pulled all the time, but I know he was telling life he didn't have any. Is he, is that, does he just want to talk about a time when he had some there to pull? Is that what it is? It's just a trip for him. Well, I think, I think it must have been in one charity match where he put the wig on, so I'm sure it's only that. Hmm. It can be, but you can't, you can't, like I say, you can't have that. It's got to be violent conduct for me all day long. 
Yeah, I would agree. What are they saying about it now, then? What's that actually down as at the moment? Um, so I so I don't think they've actually they, they gave anything. There was no um, not penalised at all. It was just a case of play on. I don't think he was even booked or anything. I think it was no, just he wasn't. He wasn't. It was just play on, as you said. According to my team. Yeah, mm. play on, as you said, definitely. Which it, 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 it had, to be, had to be a foul again. That's two. Well, one foul and one clear offside he's missed. So, I don't know. That's football. So, I, I guess this might be an, an, an obvious kind of statement, but obviously Kukurea's got a lot of hair. So, the, I can't remember who the person was who'd done it, but I guess, obviously, someone with a lot longer hair is obviously more likely to get their hair pulled because, like you say, if you're pulling, you know, Paul Thorpe by the hair yeah, back in the day, um, it's not going to have quite the same impact, is it, as someone that's got hair everywhere? It would have to be you just you just get you get an elbow off a thorpe if he someone did that to him. I think in the old days they would have dealt with it themselves. Mm. But back in the old days when men were men, would they have had hair that long? <laughs> True. Well, with yeah. Charlie Nicholas. Oh. Charlie Nicholas. Champagne Charlie. Mm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So on um, the actual on the result itself, boys, like Rick just touched on, um, I think Spurs you know, probably from their own admission, didn't actually play particularly well. But getting a point when they're up against it, there were decisions in the game that kind of went either way. Are we seeing, albeit two games into the season, perhaps a little bit more of grit in Spurs that we haven't seen in previous seasons? Time will tell, won't it? They do tend to revert to type. They've had spells in the past that have... For three or four games, they've gone out and asserted themselves. But then the fact that they are Spurs creeps up on them. And before you know it, you're back to square one. I, I think with Conte, he won't let them get away with it nowadays. I don't think you're going to see that soft underbelly of Spurs anymore. Um, he's, like I say, um, when you look at all the clubs he's been at, he's had that tough, very strict uh, on and off the field. Um, there was an interview on Kane the other day he said how much they changed things around, not just on the pitch, off the pitch as well. Um, timing and everything, uh, late finds, little things. So I think he must be the only manager at the moment who's ever stood up to um, the chairman. Because mm. uh, beforehand, I think they had chair uh, managers who's been, even sort of Marino didn't stand up to Navy that much, and I think he's got one now. Um, I think you're thinking, like I say, uh, certain not so soft on the belly for Tottenham. I think they got a bit of grit. Like I say, they didn't play well, I don't think at all. What I see in our match of the day, but years ago, that would have probably been 4 0 to Chelsea. Um, but like I say, it's early days, it's two games in, so it's still early days, but it's uh, like I say, United can still win the league, really. It was interesting. So, um, to see, it was interesting to see on the the the, uh, the benches there that the uh, each side had an ex Yeovil Town member of staff on the bench. There, this, uh, Ryan Mason was on the Spurs bench, and Anthony Barry on the Chelsea bench. The new Premier League director, they did you not know? Oh yeah, what you've got to have a Yeovil yeah. player. Yeah. Oh right. Didn't didn't know that. To be fair, they are creeping up everywhere now. Mm. Yeah. So, my take out is he's going to be on the Man United bench soon, then. <laughs> well, that'd be he a might chance. Get a game at the moment. No. Well, you couldn't get any worse, but are we? So, so Tone, I can see that you're absolutely chomping at the bit to get to the next story, then. So, no, we've so let's, gone past this. Let's let's quickly bring you in because, like I say, we did have a. We won't talk too long on it, purely because you won't want to. And secondly, we have got a special edition podcast. Uh, for you to listen to, um, going into a deep dive on all things at United. But just very quickly, Tom, where do you see it? Where do you see the problems? And just how bad is this uh, at the moment? Uh, I honestly think it's dire at the moment. It's not It's not just on the pitch. Um, I was listening to Gary Neville's interview the other day. I know he's very passionate and stuff, but he was saying last month the Glazers took £26 million out of the club. Uh, doing this month in, month out. So you tell me a business can carry on like that. Um, and they're still, was it 600 million, let alone, up against? 
Um, so I think it's just, it's certainly not on the pitch. It's off the pitch, he was saying about, I went up to a game towards the end of last year and I was invited in a box and stuff, where probably five, ten years ago, you where would you want to say play in England? You'd say Old Trafford, wouldn't you? It's got the history and the stadium. But even I thought it looked sort of a bit run down, shabby now. It's uh, training ground, they haven't really done much for that. I think there's it's got a lot, a lot of problems, not just on the field, off the field. And for me, that team, it's another at least six, seven years away from rebuilding that because it's not just one or two players. It's looking at the moment, it's, we're very, very average, aren't we? And there's still a lot of players left from three, four years ago who hasn't done it over the time. Not much to add on that, Rick and Aidy, just to sort of wrap it up and just sort of give, give the listeners a flavour of what they've got to listen to on the other podcast. No, tune into the other podcast and listen to me and Adrian moaning for an hour. Yeah. It's a delightful listen. <laughs> it's, a good, it's a good listen, though. Is it? Yeah. Let's let's just quickly, just for balance, then let's reverse it and just talk about Brentford quickly, because obviously they they had a really good season last season. It was their first year in the Premier League. I'd actually tipped them this season. Not that that means anything, but I I tipped them to maybe have that little bit of a second season syndrome, looking at who's in the Prem this season and what business has been done by different teams. Um, are you impressed by what? Um, Thomas Frank's doing there and do you actually think again I know it's early days so it's difficult to make these sweeping statements but do you think that was sort of an indication of how good Brentford are at the moment or you've got to take into account just what you know United are able to offer at the moment which is very little well one thing's for sure Brentford played exceptionally well that you can say now whether that's because United was so dire I don't know but they certainly played well and and you know, top marks to Thomas Frank for getting a team together like that and seeing them turn it on like that. I, I think as well, I know mean, we're not really doing them justice, I think, Brentford, although how bad United were, I thought Brentford were exceptional. Um, and even if United turned up, I think they'd have had a game on the hand. Uh, but like I say, at the moment, all the talk is about how bad United are, and I think it's taken away from Brentford, which I feel a bit sorry for, because I thought they were excellent from start to finish. And, I, and like I say, I think he's a great manager anyway. Um, and you think what they're, what they're spending budget-wise is just a breath of fresh air, I think, for the um, premiership. And just, I think other clubs who go to Brentford as well are going to find that tough, because they're going to give you one hell of a game down there. Seems to be a trend, though, doesn't it, that you've got certain managers now are going for their countrymen. I mean, he's... Am I right in saying he's Danish? I think he is. Yeah. Uh, and he's he's signed a lot yeah, of Danish they, players. And then you've got... They've got that consortium, haven't they? Mm. And then you've got Ten Hag seems to be wanting to try every Dutch player he can get his hands on. So I don't know if this is going to be a new trend. Sometimes it's what they trust, what they know from their country, don't they? But, I mean, um, certainly Brentford, they've had the uh, Danish owners for... Uh, seven years now and they brought players in from Denmark beforehand and obviously they've proven to be good so uh, they certainly brought some uh, class players in I must admit and they've um, they bought well and they've sold well I think Brentford and they got a nice stadium now as well um, I just think like I say they're, they're on the up I think hopefully there mm. there's more than one, three or four teams in London now for me So, Rick, just, just to wrap this one up then, and possibly just a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but uh, is, oh. Thomas, is Thomas Frank a future Manchester United manager? <laughs> no. No. No, he's not. Move on. OK, absolutely not fine. Such, I can do that. So, let's quickly, let's quickly go away from the Premier League then and just go down into the National League because I want to talk about um, Yeovil and how they did this weekend. Um, obviously... Free spending Wrexham, they look like that they're going to be the team there or thereabouts this season. Obviously, they had investment the year before, but Stockport also had heavy investment in that league. So it was always going to be sort of a neck and neck battle, as it turned out to be between the two of them. Um, Yeovil getting a really good point, and not just the point. Tone, you were at the match uh, on Saturday. 
tell me what you thought of the goal and was it one of the great it was one of the great Hewish Park goals wasn't it? I was only literally saying before literally uh, five minutes before he missed a sitter didn't he and yeah. bring through one on one and to be fair he probably didn't have his best game up to then um, he gave the ball away a little bit but the strike for me he was I think speaking to Marcus Stewart and he's been raving about him in training he's been <coughs> two or three years Linton is going to be a top, top player. And like I said, that's the first time I've seen him. And I was like, do we know what he's on about for a bit? And then he just did that bit of magic. And you think, yeah, all right. And he came to sort of life after that for me a little bit. Um, but I thought, I just thought, I think that's the first time in about two or three years I commentated on a game and like afterwards thought I really enjoyed that. And I haven't had that feeling for a long time. Well, you've been the same, obviously, commentating. Yeah, I the, atm- felt the atmosphere first. was bouncing as well, wasn't it? Particularly second I, I, half. Do you know what? I, said, I obviously know Chris quite well, manager. But I said to him Saturday night, I said, even if you haven't got the best players in the world, if you show that commitment and desire, with that heat as well, you're halfway there with the Open fans. Because as long as you're trying, uh, you know, obviously Wrexham... Their budget's probably four times what Yeovil is, so obviously they can attract the better players. But if you Elite. show commitment, at least, yeah, as we said, but they showed commitment and they got quite a younger side, and I think they really got the fans going. Um, or right, they give a few mistakes away at the back early doors. But I mean, what's their forward line? Three, four hundred thousand or something between them? The yeah, probably, probably even more. I think it was uh, nearly 300,000 just for Mullen alone. And I think, what do we restrict them to? One shot when they scored first half? We've got mm. caught a few times first half, but fair play to Chris at half time. He must have said something because they certainly got tight and I don't think they had a look in second half. And I was pleasantly surprised and really sort of to see a Yobel side going, which was nice as well. It's been an ex-winger. I think they had five or six crosses flashing across that box. Where we haven't had that in the last couple of years for me. Just very quickly, uh, Tone, as well. The um, the new signing, um, Torre, came on and looked a real real presence up there, didn't he? And sort of changed oh, the game, I thought. I think he's one of them, isn't he? He's going to be an absolutely match winner for you. Um, but you're going to have your issues with him, like I say, because obviously he's been to a lot of clubs and in between the line he has some issues and that off the field. Um, but I mean, when you see him come on like that, the crowd have taken him instantly, haven't they? He, like I say, if you start with him and they start killing, banging the goals in, um, we, we are looking a bit of a threat now, I think, as well. And don't forget, if you are listening to this as a, as a podcast before it comes out on Wednesday, then you can hear the dulcet tones of Rick Hyatt and George Marshall James uh, in the game <laughs> against. Barnet on Tuesday. Rick, you looking forward to that one? First game of the season for you? Yeah, definitely. Uh, obviously, my Saturdays are a little bit busy at the moment, but uh, a midweek game, perfect. Get a chance to see what the boys are up to. Be nice. I can, uh, I can actually, I can watch Mister Staunton rather than him turning up and watching me on Saturday, which is a bit, bit of a weird turnout for the books. But there you go. And um, just. Just on that, both Rick and Aid, if you haven't seen the goal that Yeovil scored on Saturday, definitely give it a YouTube or on the Banorama National League yeah, highlight if you haven't seen it, because it was a belter. I have, have, to be I have actually seen it. Research. What did you think, Aid? Oh, yeah, it was a screamer, wasn't it? You know, And you'd almost thought when he sort of hit it initially that it was it was going to go up and over the bar, but the fact that it sort of it must have arced at the, just at the right moment to come down and just go in the top corner, brilliant. From your from your time in the club, eh? Do you, do you have those moments of real special goals that stand out in your mind? Yeah, there's always one that, that one that uh, really sprung to mind. Really, well, there was two, I suppose. There was one that uh, Chris Wheel scored, um, which was kind of bizarre. Of course. Um, against, I think it was against Hereford, wasn't it? I think. Um, mm. And uh, the other one was um, <clears throat> a guy called Danny Rodriguez who came on, and he scored an absolute blinder. Um, so, and, and but I was there for both of those, and yeah, two great goals. And I'm just, as I'm speaking to you, I'm just looking at the um, the Yeovil Town website, and uh, what are these pink shirts? Good, have you seen them? Pink and black Stripes. shirts. Hello. Yeah. They're lovely. Oh. They're all right. 
You reckon? Yeah. I can see you in one of them. Oh, well, you better. There was quite, a, there was, there was quite a few in the stand on Saturday, wasn't there, um, Tone? It look, it, I'd never seen the Thatcher's Gold stand looks the pink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. but don't want to go. Don't want to go back to United again. But you see what they were wearing Saturday, and you oh. got the gold to criticise yeah. Liverpool shirts. Well, I'd rather have the oval. Yeah, I suppose that's true enough. United I'm led, to, I'm led to believe it's Parma violet coloured. I can Is remember eating. I can remember eating Palmer violet sweets, and they certainly weren't that colour. But anyway, we'll we'll move on. They, they are they split opinion as well, didn't they? Those sweets. <laughs> yeah, apparently, that's the colour they are on the way back out. Ah, oh, that could be a point. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Mm. Apologies. Too <laughs> much information. Just before we do take it off, Yeovil, um, Tone, your. Best goals at Hewish Park. Have you got a couple that stick out in your mind? As a touch on, um, I think Aidy touched on that Chris Wheel one because I think when it was dying seconds, Aidy, if I remember. Yeah, it was quite late on. I think that, from, from memory. Yeah, equaliser that certainly stood out. Um, really, I remember. I, I know it was sort of in. It was in the League Two days where we weren't doing quite so well under Darren Way, but I remember Johan Arquin scoring a screamer. From quite some distance. I don't know if you remember that one. Yeah, there was the, a... the distant ones for me was um, Johnson, Lee Johnson. He hit one for about 35 yards, straight free kick, pull it. He ran up. Do you remember that one, Aidy? Don't remember that one. I remember one that uh, uh, Aaron Davis scored against Scunthorpe one evening game. That was a, a, a pretty good one that I can remember. But uh, yeah, I'm getting on a bit. Now. I, I can't remember these things. Adrian, you are going to be in real trouble if you don't mention Carl's overhead kick at Wembley because he's going to have you. Well, he won't listen, will he? <laughs> Someone <laughs> might tell him. If you don't mention it, he'll get very cross with you. Uh, Carl who, anyway? Who are we talking about here? Uh, yeah, this this Carl fellow, anyway. I mean, first and foremost, we were discussing the best goals at Hewish Park and as far as I can recall... Oh, at Hewish Park. I beg your pardon. Yeah, that, your pardon. that particular goal was not at Hewish Park. Uh, Villa Park instead, so it was a park, and uh, yeah. I I'm sure my mate Carl will be listening. So hello, Carl, if you're listening, mate. Another pint of lager going down your neck. Good boy, you know it makes sense, don't you? Eh? But you scored a few at Hewish Park. I just can't remember them. So you know, move it on. So um, Rick, did you did you have one that stands out in your memory before we move on from great Hewish Park goals? Not particularly. I've, I had a big hiatus. I because the, I was last regularly at Hewish Park during the, the glory Gary Johnston years, coming up through the through the divisions, and then uh, got taken away doing other things, and then only really came back last season. And, and last season, there were precious few goals scored by anyone at Hewish Park. So uh, come back to me on that one at the end of the season. So I think that is Pretty definitely a, a place to, to move that particular story on then. So I want to go and have a little look through the... Um, some of the results from the rest of the weekend. I think the next biggest story, if you like, um, has to be Nottingham Forest and back in the big time, 23 years away, 1-0 win over West Ham. Um, they've made 15 size signings this season so far, Rick. Um, yeah. You made the point in the United podcast that we've done that you know, United is struggling to bring in players and Forrest have brought in 15 and they don't look like stopping anytime soon. There's always going to be that comparison with Fulham of spending too much. Well, I don't think they've spent too much, actually, but too many bodies at one time. Um, do you think they've bought the right blend of player and did you see any of the game um, against West Ham and uh, how, how the, do you think they're going to do? The simple answer to that is only time will tell, obviously. But um, one they're talking about bringing in again is uh, James Garner now. So that'll be another one. And uh, another one perhaps prematurely binned off by uh, by his parent club. Um, you'd like, you'd, put it this way, Forrest didn't look out of their depth. They didn't look like they were struggling at all. There was a plan, there was a structure, the players bought into it clearly. And uh, with uh, admittedly with uh, a little... It's funny, I just just one thing just to mention. Right? My, my brother's a West Ham fan. And he watches, obviously, when West Ham are on the telly. He, uh, he he comments on Facebook and Twitter and things about it. And, you know, there's never been a game played in the history of the Premier League where the referees or the commentators have been anything other than completely anti-West Ham. I don't know if anyone else has picked up on that, but uh, 
God, he was moaning all the way through the... I didn't have to watch the match. I could just see this constant feed of him being more and more upset. So going by that, I think Forrest obviously did very well. And Are you up... telling me there's a Hyatt somewhere that says what they think an awful lot on social media? I don't believe that for a second. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's a terrible trend, and I'll try and get him to stop. <laughs> um, Tone, Nottingham Forest. What, what, what do you make of the, the business that, that Cooper's doing down there? And if you had to yeah, look at your pre-season predictions, would they be one of your three to go down or would you fancy them to have a good season? Um, I, I predicted, to be fair, in my bottom three, he's made, uh, like I say, 15 signings, although a lot of not massive money spent, like um, your Fulhams and I think your Villa. They, they did, spent they there, did have a lot of players on loan last season, didn't they? So they did have to do yeah. some business, to be fair. Oh, for sure. Definitely, yeah, sure. Now, like you say, that got them up, the old loan players. Um, but like I said, I think Villa and Fulham spent their 169 million, whatever they got the premiership straight away, didn't they? And that didn't work for them. Um, I think it's one of those. I watched the actual game and they did play well. I thought West Ham were quite poor, actually. And he, I think Moyes would be disappointed how they played. It was a proper um, they, goal as well, when it's home. What a goal. <laughs> oh, fantastic. And a fantastic goal. But to be fair, West Ham went five minutes early, went down the other side and shot one in, obviously. VAR interfered there and it looked just offside. Uh, no, one, was that the offside or was that the free kick? No, the free kick was... Um, Antonio, wasn't Antonio it? Antonio, wasn't it? Yeah, oh. Antonio, yeah. So, uh, in the I, say, I say he ran just, in loosely because I was surprised that they looked at it because it was a foul all day long, wasn't it? Oh, for me, all day, because he stepped to the side, hasn't he? He's definitely blocked him. Um, and I didn't think they argued too much, apart from Declan Rice about it. But going back to Forest, I think, um, obviously, it's a new thing. They were going to be buzzing one day, the first time back in the Premiership for 30 years or something like that. Um, great atmosphere there. I think they're due, like I say, for the first three or four games, you'll find they've got an adrenaline because they're in the Premiership new side. But as the season builds over the, se over the season, I think they're gradually... They find it harder and harder. Um, I'd love them to stay up, like I say, stay up there, but I just feel, I just fear from a little bit. But I said, no, I do love the manager. I think he's brilliant. Breath of fresh air. Just a bit worrying, though, that he's brought in United so many... managers for Cooper, Rick? <laughs> no. Move on. Adrian's got some... Sorry, Abe, go on. Go on, he's got some news. No, I was just going to say, you know, the only thing you could say, he's brought so many new players. Is it going to be hard to, to you know, to blend them into a decent team they played well enough against West Ham it's true and, and you know they looked, they looked good but I just wonder you know with so many new players and a few more to come by all accounts is that going to be difficult to get a, a you know a consistent side from them that's what I'm wondering well as long as there's three as long as there's three teams in the division that are worse than you it doesn't matter does it well no, no and we already know we already know who one of them is going to be so there's only two to worry about yeah well, I think that his aim is if they stay up, he's done his job. Yeah. That's yeah. all they're looking at, aren't they? Um, because um, I didn't realise their chairman, he's owner of Plymouth Nikos. Uh, Olympiakos, I think. Olympiakos, is it? One of his sounds one. Um, and he's moved, apparently, like he's putting all his eggs in one basket at the moment with Forrest. Like you were saying yesterday on the telly. and Because he was there, wasn't he? They, Olympiakos yes, managing was, yeah. his team. And, uh, but yeah, he seems to be throwing everything at uh, Forest at the moment, which is only good for Forest. I agree, but sometimes too many players can be a bit of a hindrance. Let's go um, a little bit further up the table then, because a lot is going to be expected um, of Arsenal this season, particularly um, with the business that they've done. And one of the eye-catching ones was obviously going to be Gabriel Jesus, who had a really good pre-season. I think some teams have proved this season that pre-season doesn't actually matter, but we'll move on from that. <laughs> <And> <laughs> Jesus has started the season as good as his pre-season. And do you think, um, Rick, we'll start with you, do, do you expect Arsenal to be certainly much more equipped to challenge for the top four this year? Uh, 100%. The one thing that they were really lacking was a proper centre-forward over, over the last couple of years. Arteta's gradually got all the pieces in the, on the rest of the field where he, where he wants it. And he was lacking a, a, 
a, a striker. And are you surprised Jesus is that though? Because I'm yeah, not saying he totally. wasn't a good that's, player that's, for the City, but he was never sort of trusted enough, if you like, to go through that middle. Because if you think about it, he was there all the time that City played a whole season with a false nine. But we're yeah. surprised at how quickly he's adapted. Yeah, and I, I, I think it's it's more of a, a a comment on the standard of the of the other two lads that were there, Lacazette and Aubameyang before. Just so if, if someone who is predominantly a wide right player can come in and you play him up through the middle and he has that much of an effect on your team, it does make you wonder just what the other two were were doing all the time. What do you think, Tone? Is there any kind of sort of would it would it be too um, flippant of me to suggest that you might be looking across at Arsenal with a little bit of envy at the moment in the going into this season? Oh, most definitely. Um, they, like I say, five six years ago they had to turn things around. Obviously, they built their stadium. Um, that was their priority, so they didn't have the money to buy players. They've had three or four different managers. I actually like uh, Arteta. He's learned his trade with Pep really well. Um, and what I like about him, he's bringing two or three in at a time. It's like you can't, you need to four or five transfer windows to change his team. And he's actually getting a team that uh, is his now, I think. Uh, and certainly, I don't think they're going to be, I think they'll be certainly top four. I don't think they're going to be pushing Man City or Liverpool yet. People will be top four, do you? I think they'll be top four. I, I think they, um, I like to say, Jesus, I thought he, I loved him at Man City, where you say, you wouldn't think he's the natural centre forward, would you? You still think Bernal Burley meant. But when he played Man City up front on his own, he worked so hard, tirelessly working in that, and he, he's just a natural goal finisher. And I think, I think it was a perfect fit when he went to Arsenal. Arsenal needed him, and I think he needed, he needed with Harling coming in, he knew he was going to be limited. Uh, Man City, I think it's a great move for him. And also, he's got um, Sachenko there, isn't it, from fullback, which brings in an experience. I used to like him at um, Man City. So I think two signings he's made have been excellent for me. So you've mentioned there about Erling Haaland. Um, City getting a pretty comfortable 4 0 win over Bournemouth that you'd expect. Haaland. I think it was something like, was it two touches the entire game yeah. or something? Something was ridiculous. Was that right? And one of them was, in a, was the assist was and one of them was, was from kickoff. Yeah. I've never seen anything like that before at all, I don't think. That's got to be up there with the fewest stats of all time, hasn't it? But having said that, still expecting to have an absolute phenomenal season. Do you agree, Abe? Well, based on what we saw in the first game, the answer is yes, you'd have to. But, uh, you know, that's a, a staggering statistic, isn't it? If it's right, if it's only two... I thought I'd heard it was eight, but either way, it's not very many touches, is it? Do we know how long he was on the pitch for as well? Did he come off in the second half? I think he did for Alvarez, didn't he? Probably. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, I think it's too early to say how good or not he's going to be. I mean, he has all the appearance of being a very, very good player. And he's got the the, the backup to, to prove it sort of thing. So, you know, let, let's see when we're 10. I mean, Gary Johnson always used to say, don't judge a team until you've played 10 games. Well, you know, let's see how Mr. Harlan's getting on after 10 games. So when he's got 15 goals after 10 games, you think it'll be a success? <laughs> we'll I, see. I think with, with the players he's got around him, the service he's going to get into the feet, um, I think he can't fail there. I honestly don't. I think he's going to be a 30, 25, 30 goal scorer this year. I think, um, like I say, after watching him the first game at West Ham, he looked lively in that. Completely different player last game. Uh, but you've got to bear in mind as well. He's got to, like you just said, um, Barry, about 10 games in, he's still, that's his second game in Premiership football. He's used to, like, Ajax and stuff. He's got to, he's got to build his way in. And he's got to get to know the runs of Grealish, Foden, the Silver Bar. I think the service he's going to get off is frightening. You think what they've got. He said that, Tone. I don't know if you saw um, the highlights this weekend, but Foden should have passed it to him, shouldn't he, when he was on the angle? He was 
I don't know if you saw I didn't it, see it, but I went did, for I goal, did hear that. definite goal there if he had just passed the ball back it's, to him. It's a bit unusual for Foden because he's very good at that normally. He's not he's quite self he's not selfish, but like I say normally he does that little jinking run and he always seems to square it. Obviously, yes, but I mean, I just think his movement and his power and strength alone. You got De Bruyne, Bernard Silva, and you got the people like that feeding him. I just think, I honestly think he's in for a hatful this year, and he's certainly a strong, powerful unit. Um, and time will tell, like I say. Yeah. So, um, just obviously talking a lot about Haaland, but De Bruyne definitely showed that he's still very much the main man in the team, and the goal was absolutely beautiful, wasn't it, Rick? I didn't finish on it. It's horrible. Stop making me say things I don't like saying. But yeah, what a player. And yeah. No, but it is, it, you make that point, but it is just ridiculous, isn't it? Like, yeah. it. Easily just go on and win it by cancer again. Yeah. You know, you look, they win. Again, I know it's against a newly promoted team, but they didn't break sweating. I was. I was thinking when you're intro, I was talking about that game. I thought, well, what what gear would you say they barely? Winning football matches. So as horrible as it is, and ethically, obviously, it's wrong. But uh, you got you got the football they play is outstanding, absolutely outstanding. So don't get me on your lot, otherwise I'm going home. Should we should we clip it up? Should we clip that up? No, because <laughs> I never said that. I deny it. I'll deny that forever. But it's true. If you, if you, anybody, whatever your bias is, whatever your team is, if you deny the fact that at the moment Liverpool and Manchester City are playing football that's on a different level to everybody else, then you just don't know anything about the game. You might as well give up. Right. I hate it. I absolutely hate it with every fibre of my body. But you've got to acknowledge that, that that's where they're at at the moment. But don't you think um, I'm with you? Like I say, if you're a football fan, you've got to admire stuff like that. And this was probably 15 years ago. This was the Man United Arsenal's. Every it was them two all the time, wasn't it? Playing and they other teams were getting fed up. But some of the Man United and Arsenal, the games they were great producing. And I think at the moment that is Liverpool and Man City for me. Yeah. the games they played in. Tone, how and, long? Uh, and as a foot, how long do you think it will take before? somebody else gets back into the mix again because obviously with football it goes in waves but it feels oh, yeah, like it feels like that this Liverpool City rivalry has just gone on for a little bit longer maybe than obviously people wanted because obviously people are fans of other teams and yeah. are we are we well, too I far think... along now for people to catch up anytime soon or do you think it will yeah. only just take two or three years and it will be I think it's quite a question that question was probably asked when Man United and Arsenal were winning everything and walking away with stuff. Uh, but I think, personally, I think that um, when Man United and Arsenal did it, everyone else was Liverpool, they're all in transitions. And I think you're finding now that where probably Man City and Liverpool the last sort of three, four years, certainly Man City's longer than that, everyone else where Man United going for a transition is going to take years. Arsenal starting to come out of that transition. Tottenham probably are coming out of that transition now. They're starting to pick up. So they are, every year I think it's going to get closer and closer. But the, the one thing what Beth's doing, and I think Liverpool's doing as well for me, when United had, if they won the league, Fergie never sat back on his laurels. He always, he always bought one or two players early doors as well, part of the season, and and added to that squad, kept everyone on the toes. And I think you're finding that with Liverpool Man City for me now. They're extending their, and they're pulling away by adding these, well, everyone wants to come and play for them, don't they? I think that it will change, the, the time to judge it is when the managers change. Because that's exactly what happened with United and with United. Arsenal. Arsenal, exactly. Mm. They can only go, but I read today that Pep's is up next year, but he's on about extending for another three years now, isn't he? Where they oh, thought, happy. great, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you think um, didn't Klopp extend his last year? Yes, yes, he did. He um, extended his, um, and I say Pep. But then again, if Pep's is up next year and he goes to win the Champions League, is he going to call it time? He's definitely we'll, never know. we'll never no. know. Tom. 
Because that's the one thing you can guarantee City will not win the Champions League. Don't clip that up. <laughs> I think Arsenal, though, with, with um, Jesus, is, it's, a, it's a good buy. And and the full-back from City, I, th- I think Arsenal got a, a really good chance of coming on strong this season if they keep going like they are at the minute. I, I like I say, I think he's another probably two, three transfer windows away from getting his complete side. Like I say, he has to, the next transfer window, if he had probably not the next one because it's a winter one, isn't it? And it's not going to be a lot done after the World Cup, I don't reckon. But certainly next year, if he adds another two or three of the quality he's added this year, they are starting to be, you know, a force to force the cup to because obviously the, sta- the stadium's all paid for and everything now and they've got actually money in the bank to start buying these players and enticing them there. And to be fair, the stadium's fantastic. You're in London, so you're going to get players there. And if they get Champions League football, they're going to be a force, I think, within a few years. I've got a funny feeling, Tony. You're saying about um, the the winter transfer window. I think this is going to be a unique transfer window this time because it's going to come straight after a World Cup. Exactly. And normally yeah. it's a dead time to buy players. But, but there's going to be a lot of players in the shop window during that World Cup. So you might actually see more more business done in the January transfer window than you would normally I was going to say, Rick, do you think we're going to go back to the old, um, you know, say like late 90s, early noughties, when there used to be a lot of panic buys based on who's had a really good World Cup because of Andy when it's Carroll? played? Did Andy Carroll have a good World Cup, David? <laughs> At any point? Touche. Carroll, Carroll Poborski. That was after Euros, wasn't it? That was after Euro 96. Oh, well, well. Major competition, nonetheless. I mean, Liverpool went out and bought Salaf Jow and El Hajjouf, and that didn't really work out. <laughs> El Hajjouf, no, there's a I name to Kenja with, Cle- isn't it? Cleberson? Was Cleberson one? Yeah. Uh, yeah. What, what, what a player he was, by the way. Oh. I don't think you get your, your major, major big signings, do you, in the winter? There's always, like, one or two shots, but yeah. I don't think... If someone, if yeah. someone comes through and plays well for one of the minor nations and, and they qualify from a group yeah. and they've previously gone yeah. under the radar, then, yeah, but yeah. everybody knows about the big players. The big yeah. But, like, I think with Pep and um, Klopp, and they were certainly like uh, Wenger and uh, Fergie for me, they got their business done early in the summer. They knew who they wanted and it was done. Like you think of United recently, their last three or four summer transfer windows, but oh, we're getting him, we're getting that, we're getting that. Nothing. Where Fergie, would, he would have had it done by June. Their players, two players in, and that was it. And I think Klopp and um, certainly Pep, the deals were done, weren't they, with um, Ireland, um, Philip. Well, I think Philip dragged on a bit, but there was, I think that was probably already sorted beforehand. Well, wasn't, wasn't Alvarez was... Was done last season, wasn't it? And he went back to Argentina uh, online. January was it done? Was it the January? Was that? And finished the season, yeah. I know they've done that a few times. They bought people like that, and they've gone. They bought them like a year early. Um, and you, you know, I think he's done that at Barcelona a few times, hasn't he? Yeah. When you Pep was at Barcelona, he, he's he's got in early, bought them, so no one else can have them. He's gone back to their parent club, and they've had one hell of a season. And they yeah. could have put another 50 million on there, but he's clever. He's, he's done that quite a lot at, at, at Barcelona, so it's a good move. And uh, getting in early, like I say, but they're the same. They keep adding every year. They don't lie on their laurels. They just won the league. I think Bergie <laughs> did it when he won the treble, didn't it? I yeah. think as soon as they won the Champions League, he bought somebody straight away. Well, if, 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 you, if you stand still, you move backwards in effect, don't you? Because every, yeah, everybody well, I think that was his work, yeah. So. so Yeah. Unfortunately, we're moving further and further back. Yeah. No, we're not talking about Tony. Thank you. (laughs) Don't mention the war. (laughs) How are we doing for time, eh? 54.26. So you've got a bit of time then. You talk about the January transfer window. Obviously, I think we've got two or three weeks left still of the summer transfer window. Um, It was announced yesterday... I think during no, just after the game that <coughs> Chelsea have now bid, I think it's forty million for Everton's Anthony Gordon. Um, what do we make of that? I mean, is that another case of a player being English? So there's a premium. 
Well, there's another one, isn't it? There's the Fafana deal as well. That there, Chelsea seem to have piggybacked on the back of a lot of a lot of deals. They've been very active. Whether it's the new owner wanting to be seen to be doing things, but they're going to keep going right the way to the end of the uh, transfer window. I would have thought. I mean, how old are you now? Who, Dave? Yeah. I'm not about a 16. Uh, the lad at Everton. Um, oh, it can't be any... can't be any... 21, I think. Yeah, 21. 21? Yeah. Oh. They turned out... It was a 13 they turned down last week. 30 million. They reckon it's not for sale anyway. They've gone back with 40, have they, now? Yeah. Uh, yes, according to the um, Sky Sports yesterday, but I think they did say that that was with a view to come back with a f- even further bid. Oh, uh, was that? I mean, it's but, just getting like you say, I'm not sure. I'm not sure where he plays though, Tone, does it? But um, I mean, in Chelsea's setup, because yeah, okay, they've let a couple of players go. Obviously, Lukaku went back to to Inter, and Werner's gone back to to Leipzig. But they've still got Ziyech. They've still got, as far as I know, they do. They've still got Pulisic, who came on. Sterling's obviously in there. Is it just a case of boxing the squad? I think it is, personally. Like I say, do you think, would you see him being a regular? Uh, in, in a couple of years, probably. But I don't think, for me, he wouldn't go straight into the side and play all year. But he's not, he's not, he's not got an England cap, for example, yet, has he? I know he's only 21, oh. but I'm just saying that in context with the big money that's being blasted around. Yeah, but to be fair, he was only last year he's come on the scene, wasn't it? I know he had a couple of games year before, but it's only last year he's come on the team. He's had one, well, you say good year. What did Everton finish fourth from bottom? I know you can't put it all on him and that, but did he look a good player in a bad side? Or do you think, do you think Lampard's, Lampard's going to be caught between a rock and a hard place because he won't want to get rid of one of his star assets, but at the same time he can turn around and be like, well, you're a Chelsea legend. You know how attractive it is. Let me go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. But then... Is Lampard, is he going to look at, are we going to always be a selling club? Am I, you know, am I beating my head against the brick wall here? He's trying they to bring some get, players they can't on get rid of. They can't get rid of Richarlison and Gordon in the same window, can they? Surely uh, not. It would be... When Carver-Lewin's out for, how long is he out for now? They're just it's stacked against them as it is. So to sell another one, hey. forward player, it would just be mad. I think if I say if he's if he's under pressure from the board to sell, I think you know there could be reoccurrences. The Lampard won't take it, won't take carrying on like you say, beating his head against the brick wall. If he's playing against the wind and praise, I just think you're he, running out of time for replacements as well now, aren't you, Tom? And talking of well, running, that's the thing is talking of running out of time. So are you? Uh, we're on 58, oh, uh, 58 uh, minutes, so gentlemen, it's time to say cheerio. Um, yeah, and don't forget to tune in to Three Valleys Radio tomorrow at about quarter to... Uh, no, what am I talking about? About 25 to 8. And um, Mr Hyatt and George Marshall James will be on hand to give you a full match commentary. I'll try, I'll try, and, get there. I'll try and get there for 8, eight. Yeah, do your best, mate. Do your best. Okay. And, it's you. <laughs> but anyway, thank you all for joining us on Football Bloody to football bloody hell on Three Valleys Radio.